Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, I hope that you had a great Christmas season and a great and safe New Year's and I hope that you're healthy. All those little bugs out there and all the people that carry them, stay well, take care of yourself. This is our first midweek Bible class of the new year. Very happy to get back into this. I'm glad we were able to keep it uninterrupted through the season. We, were, we, um, we finished last time in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. So those of you that are numerically blessed can figure out that we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Peter comes right out of the gate. Whenever you open Peter, 1st or 2nd Peter, you're going to find that very little time is spent in laying the ground. Instead, Peter just comes right into it. You know, Paul can take a couple chapters and run a little uh, detour here and there while he's laying ground. Peter's books are shorter, gets right to the point. Kind of like Peter himself, even though 2 Peter, it, it's really hard to find somebody who thinks Peter wrote 2 Peter, but we'll get to that. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, what does he say? Boom, here it comes. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I so many amazing phrases here. First of all, Peter assumes that you're not at home in this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, that great old song. He assumes you already know that, that now that your citizenship is in heaven, that you're not always going to go along with whatever the culture is saying and doing that you will be looked upon as strange, that you'll be looked upon as, as other. I love going to Canada and I love the Canadian people that I've met really uh, all my life. I've gone in and out of Canada and, and have some of the, my best friends up there, especially over on Vancouver Island. How you doing, uh, Pat and uh, Patrick? How you doing, Travis, um, Daniel, all of them, you know, up there. Ian, great people. Anyway, moving on, got distracted. See, Peter doesn't get distracted. Patrick does. That's how you can tell the difference. If I'm in Canada, it is very, very much like the United States and very, very much not. And it's subtle at times. There are times that um, you, you can just for a bit forget that you're not in your home country. And I'm sure that's the way that it can be for Canadians down here as well. We share a great amount of entertainment, music, culture, foods, and the like. However, there's that little subtle difference that, um, and it's not always accent, it's, there's sometimes attitude, there's sometimes cultural references, and we'll think, oh, they're not from here. Or, oh, this isn't my home, I'm the stranger here. So Peter's not asking you to be like the wild, stereotypical cartoon character American abroad. 
you know, wearing a cowboy hat and cargo shorts and look around Paris going, you call this a city? You know, I don't know of people who do that, but that's the cartoonish version of Americans abroad. Peter's not asking us to do that. He's not asking us to wear funny clothes. He's not asking us to walk around and frowning at things saying, well, that's all right for you, but <clears throat> we are not that kind of people. <clears throat> that's, that's not what he's asking. He's asking that you live by Jesus rules, that if you do, you'll still get accused by pagans of doing wrong, but they're gonna see your good works and they're gonna notice that and it might even attract them. Now, if you're wondering, how could you go about doing good works and people accuse you of doing wrong? Well, there are <clears throat> little ways and big ways. There are times that when you take care, <clears throat> sorry, poor people, that you, you get accused of enabling them. Other times, when we would feed people, the homeless, when we were in the Detroit area, we, um, we were sometimes very, uh, only a couple that I can remember, warned by the police that we're not supposed to be feeding the poor people unless we get a restaurant license and unless we get an And all we were doing is bringing food down to where they were sleeping outside. Well, there are places that have arrested church people for things like that. And so that's on the small side. You're just doing good and you got nailed. But there are other considerations in Peter's day. That is that if you did not take oaths to the emperor, and if you did not take part in the sacrifices, and if you did not start all of your business meetings, all of your club meetings, your gatherings, even all of your sporting events, by making these pledges of loyalty and um, you know to the emperor, but also saying that they were gods and saviors and lords, then you were accused of doing wrong. You were called an atheist. You were called a traitor. You were a danger to the fabric of society. Now, if you want to know more about that, that's covered very extensively in our walk through the book of Revelation, which was done well over a year ago. Uh, and you can go back. It's on this same channel and you can find all of the lessons there. In fact, a couple of them were, were lost when I had to move from my other church and start this one. And so I sat in a hotel room in Knoxville, Tennessee, and re-recorded them. So they're all there for you. Uh, and it's a gr the, the whole book of Revelation really is about who you're going to bow to, the state or to Christ. And when you bow to Christ, you're going to act just enough different from the people around you that it's going to take, it's going to get some attention. Now, if you're a humanitarian worker and you're living for Jesus and caring for people, in some nations you are marked by the gangs, by the sublords, by the, the, uh, the leaders, the, the warlords of this or that faction. And so humanitarians are killed every single year uh, in surprisingly large numbers just because they tried to do good. Most of us aren't going to go through that. We might be accused of being uh, socially awkward or uh, stuck up. <clears throat> we might be accused of being afraid to join in with whatever's going on. But let's just remember, we belong to Jesus and it's his approval that we're going for. Because as he says, you want to glorify God. You want them to glorify God. You want them to say, when God visits, I love that phrase, 
when God visits, you want the pagans to say, you know, these people treated us really well and did well, even when we didn't get it. By the way, isn't it interesting that he has the pagans praising Christians for doing good when God comes back, rather than automatic, right you go pagans off to hell. Prepare yourselves for this because in sermons and some in the Monday morning messages, starting around the end of January, 1st of February is where I'm thinking now. We're going to talk about what does the Bible say about the end of the world really? And what does the Bible say about eternal punishment? We've done a, a lot of Monday mornings about that. But also about who's saved. I think you're going to enjoy this, but I think you're also going to be very challenged. So I know I certainly was. Moving on. Peter is going to show us how we live in a way that the world thinks is weird. Now, you, you cannot read this chapter without becoming very uneasy. I have just to warn you. There are places in the Bible when you start reading them that your skin starts to crawl and you start hoping nobody ever asks you questions about these passages. And one of those passages is right here. But I think it makes sense with the way he has set it up, not just in verses 11 and 12, but really, the whole, he has one treatise. So when you get stuck on a passage, go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, and ease your way forward again. Kind of like, <clears throat> kind of like rocking your car out of a snowdrift or uh, a bit of mud. You just kind of keep going at it, keep going at it until you can eventually get past it because he's got it all set up. It's just really hard to swallow. It's kind of like the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is not hard to understand. It is brutally hard to live. And that's really what's going on here. All right? Verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the foolish talking of ignorant men. Oh, I'm sorry, the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Well, <clears throat> doesn't really matter here. If you are far left, far right, and most things in between, you're gonna get bumped around a little bit by this. We were always told growing up, and I think correctly, that we were to obey the rules of the government unless the government ordered us to do something which would deny Christ or displease Christ. And that, at that time, at least in my understanding, that exception was not given as an easy out. It, it wasn't given so that I could say, well, you know, a certain portion of my taxes, which only about 50% of Americans pay, actually do pay taxes, income tax. We all pay tax on what we buy, uh, and we're all taxed on our income, so, but income tax. And I could say, well, uh, you know, that certain amount of that is going to this thing, and it might be a war or a social program I don't approve of, or it might be what, whatever. 
saying, therefore, I will not pay that because that would dishonor Christ. You know something? Um, I think you're trying to make an easy out there. If the government says this is what you owe, you pay it. Uh, is it going to be fair? Well, fair is something that comes around the county once a year. The world is not fair. It never has been fair. Do not go to God complaining about how unfair the world is when we're the ones who killed Jesus and he forgave us while he was dying. It's never, it's never been fair. <clears throat> just not since Adam and Eve, at least. And therefore, we just kind of pull back and say, all right, can I get really, really, can I, here, I'm going to lose some of you with this. And I want you to understand that that breaks my heart. I don't want to. But it's serious. I own firearms. I'm not a pacifist. I don't own firearms to hunt or to shoot people. I enjoy target shooting. I enjoy competitions, whether it is with rifle or handgun. I really, I enjoy those. And I've participated a lot, although not much in the last few years, to be honest. Just haven't had the time. You will every now and then run across people that will say, uh, if um, you know the government comes to take my guns, I'm going to lie, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or there's going to be a dead policeman. I, I don't know. No. You can believe that all of your rights given, if you're a United States citizen, all of the rights given to you in the Constitution come from God, and I think that's fine to believe these things. But I don't, I don't think the writers of the Constitution were God. And I'm not sure that they were inspired to the level of the Apostle Paul, let's say, or Matthew. But regardless, I don't, I, I believe as a Christian, I lay aside my rights, do I not? There's a whole lot of that. We die to self, that's the whole baptism thing, burial, resurrection. And I, I'm really hitting this because it's going to get rougher in this chapter, a lot rougher. So we really need to get a hold of this concept. I've told people that there's not much of Patrick left on the planet. And that's not just because I'm getting old. It's because I gave myself away to Jesus when I was 11 years old. And true enough, I took myself back repeatedly and probably will in bits and pieces the rest of my life, but you get the point. I was buried with him in baptism. I, in the words of Paul, I died to self and I was raised up to live to him. And then, <clears throat> About 11 years after that, 11, 12 years after that, I married Miss Cammie. And in marrying Miss Cammie, I made oaths to her to love and cherish and protect for, you know, in good times, bad times, better or worse, all that sort of thing. So I'm Cammie's husband. I'm the man that made covenant with Cammie, but also made covenant with Jesus. So guess what? There's not a lot left here for me. First Corinthians 7, in fact, Paul says that when you get married, the ownership of your body changes. That Cammy owns my body. I own her body. And that way we are to, uh, we are to understand that we are living in self-sacrifice toward each other. If we truly understood what we were doing when we were baptized and when we made covenant in marriage, I think a lot of these sections we're about to hit would not be as hard. Because you do give up rights whenever you make a covenant. We are to, as Peter says, live as free people. You are free in Christ. But don't use that freedom in a way 
that gives Jesus a bad reputation. And how many Christians give Jesus a bad reputation? Well, I know I certainly have. I've said things and done things that were appalling when I look back at it. And I'm ashamed to admit it, and I can't go back in history and rewrite it. I'm so glad that for the forgiveness of sins. But it would be nice to learn from those mistakes so that we don't do them again. Because <clears throat> if you keep doing them, you keep getting same bad results. So show respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Okay. I can, I can do that. Oh, verse 18. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. We did a series of uh, Monday morning messages on slavery in scripture. And I would just direct you to go back there to review that. I think there were three of them. Um, there might have been more. What do we do here? Uh, is slavery an evil? Absolutely. Is slavery still abundant on the planet? Actually, there are more people enslaved today. I am told by reliable sources that track this. There are more people enslaved today than ever before when it comes to, to raw numbers. Um, I don't know about percentage of human population, but when it comes to raw numbers. <clears throat> the slavery that was practiced um, in the African slave trade was and continues to be the birth center of billions of people's pains. Uh, it was just it, it was just evil. No matter who operates slavery and who is the slave and who's the master, it's just evil. So why didn't Peter say that? Why didn't Peter just say, slaves, you are free in Christ. You belong to Jesus. You don't belong to any human being anymore. You just walk right on out because he couldn't say that. Roman law, remember he's just talked about, we have to submit ourselves to the reality of the law. Roman law made it a huge, serious felony, like class A felony, to release a slave because they were very much structured upon a class system. And that class system was of non-citizens, of slaves that had been um, elevated to a certain level, and then of these families over here and the Senate over here. Everything was, was so regulated. In fact, just sitting right here um, was, is a paper that was sent to me. It's been months ago. And I don't know why it was just sitting there on my desk. I just thought of that. In this, you find the Roman laws for if you're allowed to wear a sash around your toga or what kind of toga you're allowed to wear. Or, and this is citizens. And then on a certain occasion, you might be aware, allowed to wear a certain kind of hat, but it had to be this color or this color. And I'm serious. The Romans wanted nothing to mess with their system. And so there was no movement except within the system's rules. And so if you freed a slave, you had disrupted the system. They would capture the slave, either kill or give them to another person. And then you sometimes would be killed. Most often you would lose your citizenship, you would lose your property. 
So what do you do? You can't just free your slaves. Well, what if you're a slave? Why don't you just go all Spartacus? Well, if you saw the movie, it doesn't end well. And it didn't end well for Spartacus. It didn't end well for a huge variety of slave uprisings. Instead, Christ's way of changing things is to change them from the inside. That the slaves, by their behavior, by their loyalty, and by their refusal to return evil for evil, which is just such a hard thing, such a hard thing not to do that, that they might win their masters, but if they do anything else, life is going to be harder or shorter. Peter did not have any control over the government. <clears throat> Jesus and his apostles had no control over the government, and neither do we. Neither do we. And so, look at verse 19. You might want to back up and go all the way through, because this is a little, this is a pretty big mud patch we're in. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. In other words, he knows he's being mistreated. She knows she's being mistreated. But she bears up because she believes in God. Now, <clears throat> I want to stress what this is not. This is talking to a very specific people in a very specific culture at a very specific time. If I were to kidnap you and say, all right, I got you now, chaining you here in the basement, does that mean you have to do what I say? And does that mean you're not allowed to escape? Are you kidding me? No, no. And if I marry you <clears throat> and yet I mistreat you, I verbally abuse you, I physically abuse you, uh, <clears throat> I refuse to support the family. Any of these things. I, I go out and sleep with other people and bring those diseases home to you. Any of this. You're not required to, to bear unjust treatment and just remain conscience, conscious of God. We live in a different place. You've got legitimate legal ways to get out. And you should take them. Um, I do not believe in any sense, at any time, that you should be in a, in a relationship which is abusive. And if you've been caught in one, you know. <clears throat> you know it's a cycle. <clears throat> Monday morning, because that's what I'm doing this. <clears throat> the, um, you're, you know that there's a cycle, that they'll say, I'll never do it again, and then I'll just do it. I never do it again, then I do it. You even hear people say, well, he only does it when he's drunk. Let me help you here. Just really shoot forward in psychology. Normally, they would want to work you through this in about a year in therapy. Let me save you some bucks. People do not behave badly because they drank. They drank so that they could behave badly. He doesn't hit you because he's drunk. He gets drunk so he can hit you. Get out. You are not who he's talking to here. And in fact, I would, <clears throat> I'd go to say, so go so far to say that the majority of uh, slaves in history are not being addressed here. 
This is addressing the people under the Roman system, and it was a very tightly controlled, ordered society. That's why even doing good got you in trouble, as Peter said. So do not use this and say God approved slavery and God says you're not allowed to escape slavery. No, there was no way to escape it at this point. Where are you going to run? It's rather like in America, they tend to put their penitentiaries, their, their um, prisons, uh, somewhere where it's hard to run. You know, if maybe it's Angola, Louisiana, where it is a vast plain bounded by swamp and river and, you, and you're just it's hard to run and if they even have one where there are roads reachable you'll see as you're driving a, a sign saying don't pick up any hitchhikers there's a prison over here it's it's hard to run what if you were a roman citizen and there were no cars there were no um, you, you were not allowed to even own certain clothes therefore you never had them you couldn't get in a disguise and then you got to travel, but every town you come to, you are met by people at the gates. You are met before you buy or sell. People regulate your movement. So Peter didn't ask them to do the impossible or suicide mission. He basically said, bear up the best you can and be a Christian as much as you can. And God will notice, God will repay. Paul says something like that too, doesn't he? That leave vengeance to God. He sees, he will repay. He goes, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Now, that sounds awfully easy for you to say there, Peter, because you're not, you're, you're not a slave. Just remember that Peter did die for Jesus. And he willingly died. And he died a horrible death for him. Peter believed what he was saying here. He says, to this you were called. You're called to be a slave? No. All believers are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. For he committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. When they hurled his, their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Isaiah 53. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd. And he uses a word here. And overseer of your souls. People on earth just think they're your master, but your master is Christ. Is this hard to read? Yeah, and we're not even done. <laughs> Chapter three is not gonna give you any break. You're not gonna catch any chance to get your breath. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without word by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So, is he telling women to stay in abusive uh, relationships? No, he never mentions abuse here at all. Uh, is he asking you to stay with them um, 
Uh, because, because you locked it in. Yeah, you know, you're 17, you made a decision, parents signed off of it, you got married, there you go. We would all love it if we all married well and our mates considered that they married well too and that with Jesus and the Holy Spirit that we were able to go through life together. But we know that many, many people, many of you, were not given that blessing. That either you fouled up or your, your marriage partner fouled up or there was some rot underneath. There are ways, you know, Paul talks about it, that Jesus talks about it, it, there are legal ways and there are moral ways to end a marriage when you have to. That's not what he's talking about. He's just saying, women, let's say that you're all in for Jesus, but your husband doesn't like Jesus, doesn't think about Jesus, has no interest in Jesus. What should you do? Well, many evidently and during the first century, and we get that not only here, but from some other writings that were extant um, at that time and quoted later in other writings, that a lot of women thought, well, we should just walk away from him because we belong to Jesus. How can we be in covenant with a person who does not belong to Jesus? Paul talks about this as well in 1 Corinthians 7 again. Here, submissive, it's not a word I like, but I can't make it mean something that I like. <laughs> Is Cammy submissive to me? I don't know that we've even thought in those terms. We have absolutely a partnership and we're very, very different people, but we don't argue. We don't fuss. We are in this. And so we make whatever the this is as positive and happy as absolutely possible because we get to choose what to do with it. This is a, um, this word submissive does mean don't be bossy, don't be nagging, yelling, picking fault and the like. And again, that's kind of taming of the shrew stuff. You know, it's, it's kind of, um, uh, you know, my fair lady and all those, those, um, plays from Shakespeare on where the woman had to be tamed by the man and uh, some John Wayne movies where he would have to, you know, put Maureen O'Hara on his lap and spank her and how she really appreciated that. There's a sickness, a sick thread through all of that, which I do not like at all. That's not what he's saying here. He's, he's saying, you're in a covenant with this person. You be kind to them. You be aware of their needs and take care of their needs. Again, 1 Corinthians 7, your body's your ownership has changed. Should the husband be submissive? Absolutely. Ephesians 5 says submitting to each other in the fear of the Lord. Wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We, um, what happens when the other person doesn't do their deal? Well, if it's not abusive and it isn't causing you emotional, physical, spiritual harm, then I think you can follow what Peter's doing here. But please be aware, he is talking to a very narrow group. His target demo is very small. When you take these out of their cultural and historical context and you shove them into ours, you're asking for a lot of pain. God doesn't ask you to do that. He says, love God and love each other as you love yourselves. And upon that hung the entire law and the prophets. 
and God breaks into history with Moses and Elijah and says, pointing at Jesus, you listen to him. So remember the target is narrow. All right. That said, we're going to stop and we're going to pick this up because we got to, we got to hit this again. All right. If you're having difficulties with this, one of two things, go back to first Peter chapter one, verse one, and, and read forward until you get to the hard part, then pull back and then read forward and do that until you're able to understand who he's targeting, why, and what he's saying to them and why he would probably say some different things to you if he was sitting across from you. Just a thought. If you can't even bear that, do some Monday morning messages and do some sermons instead for a little bit. And we'll be, uh, we'll be out of the, the difficult place here probably in another week or so. Okay? All right. God bless you. Hope your year started well and that it just keeps getting better and better. God bless. Cheers.